All right. So, um, our, our goal today, our focus today, first, obviously, is to just see what the Lord's doing. And, and we felt that something that um, was important to always honor the Lord for the things that he's done. Amen? Um, we, we have short memories sometimes in the spirit. Um, God saves you from drowning last week, and then this week you're like, God, where are you? And you're like, I just saved your life. Um, I don't, no, uh, none of you have ever been there, right? Um, uh, that's why I think we should build more altars. And so today maybe is more of a verbal kind, is we're going to share about what God's doing. But not just to go, hey, wasn't that great? But to go, hey, look what he's going to do. And look at our inheritance. And look what I have access to. Um, I'll, I'll give you a quick and easy one, all right? Um, just on, on how to view this today. Um, if you don't know, uh, Elizabeth Darnell has an anointing to get good parking spots. I, I'm not kidding. You can take this too. Uh, Bethany's heard me do it. And so her children have nicknamed it Princess Parking. Okay? Now, she is very much like a spiritual mom to me. So guess what I do? I drive up to a place, and I no shame. Princess Parking in Jesus' name. I get the best parking spots. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I do all right. Sometimes. I don't have it as well as you, you know. Um point being is when they share something and you go, hey, I need some of that, take it. It doesn't matter if it happened in 1975. So um, I know they're eager to share. They're both pastors, so they're, they're both preachers. So they're like, stop. Um, so uh, the questions I'm going to have are just all focused on what, what God's done and, and where he's taking us in that. So first one, I don't know who's going to go first, but really not enough people know about this. But our church was founded in the Jesus People Movement. And some of you may not know uh, what that is. So will you guys, in your own words, just share what is the Jesus People Movement or what, what was it and how did it affect this region and this church directly? I'm going to do this, Michael. Uh, the question is the Jesus People Movement. And our church was born, uh, actually our church in two great revivals merged very quickly. The first was uh, the Charismatic Renewal. Uh, generally credited with beginning in 1967 at Duquesne University of Pennsylvania, where a bunch of uh, Catholic uh, professors and priests and nuns began to receive the biblical experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these Catholics began to speak in tongues, causing quite a phenomenon, and uh, from that uh, begins a worldwide movement. At the same time, over on the West Coast, Northern California, God invaded the hippie commune. You know, we probably wouldn't have gone there, but he did. He saw hunger there, and he invaded the hippie commune and began to reveal himself as Jesus to these uh, uh, hippies, and they began to their lives began to be transformed as they encountered uh, Jesus. Some of the churches out there closed their doors to these unkept, long-haired people. Others opened their doors to them. Chuck Smith being one of those who opened his door uh, to this move of God that was happening to people. And in, in 19, I think in 1970, I saw an article in Life magazine, and they are baptizing hundreds, hundreds of these uh, street people, hippie people in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, they interviewed many of them, and they're just talking, oh, we just love Jesus. They speak, they're talking about speaking in tongues. About this power coming into their life. So that was the beginning 
of the Jesus movement and the charismatic renewal, these two quickly merged, and like wildfire, it spread all across the world. Uh, the, the, the revival jumped denominational lines. Uh, up until this time, basically, Pentecostal people had been more from the, the, the lower uh, income people and, and less educated people. But this movement is leaping right into the affluent. It's leaping into Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, uh, Catholic churches, Baptist churches, Lutheran churches. It is a wildfire that's spreading across, across the world. And it, uh, it, it, it's fueled by this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This power experience that every believer in Jesus is supposed to receive. And actually, in 1971, more people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit around the world than in the whole history of the Christian church from the day of Pentecost on. That tells you how massive this was. Millions of people receiving uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I received the baptism of the Spirit in 1971. And a few weeks later, Bessie, power experienced in our life. Uh, supernatural things began to happen. Uh, one of the one of the things that helped, that was a door to people coming into this new power experience out of the denominational churches was the Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International. It was not a church. It was a, a, a men's business fellowship where usually the, the leaders would bring in Maybe some Methodist pastor had received this power experience and he'd be there to tell his testimony or some businessman who had just been a kind of a normal church member uh, had received this experience that transformed his life. And so then people would come in to hear about that and many, many would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, lots of miracles happened in those full gospels. Uh, I was invited to one shortly after I received the baptism in 1971 in San Antonio and they brought a boy up uh, who had just been diagnosed with leukemia, a young man probably in his early 20s. And they said, lay your hands on him and pray for him. I didn't know a whole lot about healing then. I laid my hands on him, prayed for him. They called me back, said, no leukemia. He's completely healed. And that's the sort of thing that was happening in this great outpouring uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. So that's the Jesus movement, the charismatic renewal, and we, we were a part of that. Sounds like we tell lots of stories. i got lots of stories. Uh, no, uh, that 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 came later. It was a, it was a miracle. We, actually, I was in the uh, Superdome in New Orleans, and I'll tell that one later. Man, I've got I, lots of miracles. <laughs> Intrigue. All right. Uh, so, you know, Pastor Jimmy, it, it's no secret. It costs a lot to to follow this. Some people did not respond too well to it. Um, but obviously, you know, you're seeing healings, you're seeing outpouring. So, for you guys. What were some highs and lows or just some, some best and wor worst parts of you're giving your yes to God, you're filled with power, and and so a lot of religious things are fading away. So what did it cost you, but what did you gain instead? Okay. I'll talk about this a little bit in Thompson. I think if I was the best thing of the revival, it was the hunger in people. We were hungry to know about the power of God. We were hungry to know about the gifts of the Spirit. We, we, we were just... Like, like ravenous wolves to know. And so, uh, sometimes Derek Prince might be teaching in Belton, Texas. Uh, Derek Prince was one of the prince of all teachers, if you never heard him. He was a prince of teachers. And he, he might be teaching in Belton, Texas 
on the gifts of the Spirit or on deliverance, whatever. Well, we're all working jobs. We would drive to, to Belton at night, be there in that meeting maybe till 11 o'clock at night, and then all of us go out to a restaurant and, and sit around tables and talk till midnight, drive back home, get in bed at 2 o'clock, and go back and do it the next night, and go back and do it the next night. Why? Because we were hungry. I don't see that kind of, that disturbs me. When we see that hunger begin to rise again, revival is going to come. Praise God. Uh, so that was one of the best things about it. Another thing about this revival is that as we were receiving this, this, this wonderful anointing of the Holy Spirit, our eyes were just opened to the Bible. He just began to open the Word of God to us. Begin to revelation began to come right out of the Word. And that, that was an, an, an awesome thing. Uh, another thing that uh, was one of the best things in this revival was we, we began to learn how to sing in the Spirit. And I'm not talking about just singing words off of a screen, but we began to give ourselves to worship. And as the Holy Spirit would just begin to give the words, we'd all raise our hands, and God would just kind of give a melody, and we began to sing in one, like one voice under the Lord. Sometimes a long time. Sometimes we'd sing in tongues. Sometimes we'd sing in English. Sometimes we'd sing in Spanish. Whatever. We're just singing in. Like, in a, in a wonderful way, and, and that was often it was during the singing in the spirit that miracles happened. The people began to be, be healed. People began to be delivered. Another was the singing of the scriptures. So I want to talk about a lot of the songs that we sang were right out of the scriptures, and and so the benefit of that was it was an amazing way to memorize great portions of the word. And so I, I can still sing a lot of those songs, and sometimes I still do. In fact, when Don Forster and I would get together in the prayer room and just walk and pray together, sometimes we'd quit praying. We, you know, we forget a little bit also, Don and I, but, uh, but what I'm saying is put two of us together, and we can sing for an hour just the old songs, and it's the Word of God. Yeah. And, and a lot of those things are the foundations that would get put in us. That I'm sorry we've kind of left that because of the memorization um, portion of it. Because I don't think we're memorizing as much. Let me just talk about a few of the worst things about the revival. One was persecution. Uh, as a Baptist preacher, I just had got hungry for more of God, more of the power of God, received this experience, speaking in tongues. Well, that didn't go over good with the Baptist. Uh, not at all. A lot of times they talk about what we had was of the devil. I always thought Chris is kind of funny. But whatever it happened to us, it caused us to love Jesus more. How could that be of the devil? That don't make sense. But that's we we got accused of that uh, a, a lot. Uh, I was really as a Baptist preacher, I was soon encouraged to my denomination. Uh, so we we did receive a lot of persecution. Today, the speaking in tongues thing is not that didn't cause that much stir. But I'll guarantee you, in 19... And uh, let me tell you, uh, I should have got fired from the Baptist Academy. I was a chaplain in Bible. I should have got fired. Because when I got the baptism, things began to happen in the academy. Actually, we had a revival at the academy. A hundred kids got saved. Uh, Things were just popping there. And I should have got fired. But here's what the president, Jack Byron, someone several years previous, had begun to send him. Voice Magazine was the official publication of the Full Gospel Business Men's Fellowship International, and it was full of testimonies about pastors and businessmen receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
speaking in tongues, the new power that comes into life. And he'd been reading that Voice magazine. And he'll, so when this happened to me, it wasn't like, oh my, Jimmy's going crazy, or the devil's got him. He knew what had happened to me. But he'd been reading those stories. He knew the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He knew the term, the anointing. He became familiar with that. And so uh, whenever I did leave the academy, he said, uh, the reason I, I, I kept you here, I knew it was God's anointing upon your life. He knew what had happened to me. Praise God. So God had, God had gone before me to take care of me. Uh, another another uh, worst part of the revival was uh, was a lack of respect for spiritual delegated. you got to remember now, people are coming out of these denominations. We're free. We are free. Nobody tells us what to do. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. And I'll tell you, some of those, trying to pastor some of those people was like trying to herd cats. Man, it was, it was unbelievable. <coughs> Preach. And, and, and revival, remember this, revival always brings a lot of granola. All the nuts and fruits show up when real revival starts. They really do. It's just part of the price you pay for revival. And, and, and people come in looking for a thrill, all of that, but not really seeking Jesus. And so we had to put up with all of that kind of, Another thing, the worst and the best was the was the deliverance. So we, we got into deliverance ministry. Cast, God began to teach us about casting out demons. And I think at times we probably went a little overboard on that. But as a matter of fact, okay, this is a fact. One year in the early 70s, Beth and I did close to 200 sessions of deliverance in that year. Averaging four hours each. Now that'll put you in the nut house. It really will. And so we, we had to, so that was, that, but it was good. We had, we were learning about, uh, deliverance and how to deal with the demonic and live in the victory. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about how the church actually started. Uh, we, uh, when Beth and I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we began to share mainly with our Baptist friends. So it wasn't long until we kind of had a little prayer group going that was primarily Baptist flavor. Then God's Spirit is jumping these denominational walls and he, and he begins to fall over on the Lutheran church in San Marcos. And Don Forrester and a bunch of those early Lutherans got filled with the Holy Spirit. So now we've got a kind of a Baptist Spirit-filled group. We've got a Lutheran Spirit-filled group. And then one of those from the Lutheran group, uh, Mamie Rolak, uh, began to take some kids over to a, a coffee house in Austin called The Well. Coffee houses were a big part of the Jesus movement. And as she was taking, they began to take these kids over there. Some of them were church kids, some of them weren't. weren't. Well, they got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So by the end of that summer, we had 60 kids who were born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, dynamic. So we got these three groups, the Baptist group, the Lutheran group, and the, and the youth group. And so we finally decided, you know, this is where we're fellowshipping now. See, Beth and I lost our whole circle of Baptists overnight. We lost our friends. But now we've gained many, many more spirit-filled friends. And so we, we've got, you know, these are the people we're running with. These are the people we're coming Why don't we just start our own church? So we did. And, and, and Chris actually told the story. The first service, we're going to have communion. And so immediately controversy arose. The Lutheran says we, we will use wine. The Bible says wine. Us Baptists says we'll not defile ourselves with, with that kind of drink. We'll have grape juice. And so we like to split before we started. So the Lutherans said, okay, 
we will we'll yield to the weaker brethren and, and have grape juice. So this is what happened. That night, before we took the first communion, the grape juice ferment. So to the Lutherans, it had just enough kick that it tastes like wine, but to us Baptists, it still tastes enough like grape juice. We were all happy, and from that moment, we knew God was with us. His hand was on this. Praise God. <laughs> that one is in my notes. It's like, you have to tell that yeah, story. Uh, <laughs> Tom, do you have something to add? I just have more story requests. So. Well, I, can I dove, uh, just ask a question kind of off of that is, um, you know, feel free to expound on this, but I'm going to assume you would both say that that's the best way. Sometimes the Lord's doing something and all of a sudden we can get divided over something, dare I say, petty. We can get split. I know none of you have ever been there, right? We can get split over the the little things. God's trying to unite us in, in great things. And then we we let a little bit of our flesh come in. And so it, what have you guys seen out of letting the Lord act on your behalf? Or where have you seen people bring that peace to where people kind of wake up and go, you know what? This is not as important as what God's doing overall. This is just one one, one piece. How do you steward that? Or how do you pursue that? I don't know. I, I just... You're talking about those days and the different, you know, people came from a lot of different streams. Right. They came from a lot of, but, and, right. and even, I'm not a real history revival. And one thing that, that you can forget, whether it's revival, you can talk about this and lose sight of your sense of, that's Jesus. Some people in a good habit, or what else would I can settle in the boxes for sure. But the point that I'm saying is, is, even as I read about the Welsh Revival, they pushing toward Jesus we love. It's the only fuel that can bring the diverse the diverse aspects of where everybody's coming from and make them one. He's the only one that can pull it all together because otherwise you lose your focus. It, it happens. It, really, it even happens to us today. And last night we were talking about it, and I asked the team that was out there last night, hey, do you guys ever lose, and you just settle into your comfortable Christianity? Well, you just have to <clears throat> Oh, Well, Tom, you overcome a little, little differences by focus. But Tom asked me to tell this story. I'm just kind of telling some of those early-day stories. This is a true one. I promise you, it's going to blow some of you away, but this, this is true. Uh, as this outpouring was being poured out in the city, and that's what it was. We had we had revival, and uh, the Holy Spirit began to move over on some of the students at the Baptist Students Union up on the campus of State University. And a bunch of those Baptists received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and were speaking in tongues and started coming to our church. Now, that caused no small stir. So, among those Baptists, there was one named Jesse who very soon began to proclaim widely and loudly, that he was a five-fold ministry evangelist. God had called him to be an evangelist. And so uh, he uh, he came to me one day and he said, uh, Go, Jimmy. He said, I got my first invitation to preach as an evangelist. Well, he began to tell me, he, some little Pentecostal church way across town over in Cedar Chopping area, uh, a little Pentecostal church invited me to come speak on a Sunday night. I knew about the church. It was full of doctrinal error. The last two pastors, math, it, doctrinally, they were screwball. 
They, they believe some of the weirdest stuff. They believe even the devil is going to get saved. All kind of stuff. And so uh, he said, I got my invitation. What do you think? I said, if I was you, I wouldn't go. He did just what I thought he would. He went. And he took a delegation of his Baptist friends from the Baptist Student Union with him. Well, we are, we are uh, having church at, at that time out at the park on Sunday night. And I just finished preaching, and we were all standing around. You know, here come one of the Baptists. Come running into the back of the room. Came running up to me. Said, Brother Jimmy, Brother Jimmy, Jesse needs help. He was preaching, and a wild man attacked him in the pulpit. And he's calling for you. Oh, Bobby Hill was my youth pastor at that time. You know, some of you don't know Bobby. He is a worldwide apostle. He's a powerful man of God today. And I said, come on, Bobby. Uh, we got to go rescue Jesse. So we got in the car, and I said, Bobby, let's don't talk. Let's just pray. We, we just prayed. And I said, I said just, just listen. So we, we drove across town, pulled up in front of this little white cracker box. And I said, Bobby, the Lord tell you anything? He said, no, he didn't. He said, did he speak anything to you? I said, yes, he did. He said, what? He said to me, go in there and act like you know what you're doing. And you got to remember, at this time, we're just learning some of this about demons and deliverance. All right. So we went into that building. I never saw such a sight in all my life. No one is in the pews. They're all standing against the walls like they're glued to the wall. Every eye is right up there, the center stage, where Jesse is sitting on top of the wild man, and a Baptist has one hand, a Baptist has another hand, and a Baptist has, a Baptist has each feet. So five of them are holding him down. And I came walking down that aisle, and Jesse looked up at me in big old brown eyes and said, Brother Jimmy, I was just preaching the Bible. And he came running down that aisle and attacked me, trying to kill me. Jesse turned him loose. He looked up at me and said, Brother Jimmy, he's strong. You don't want me to do that. I said, Jesse, turn him loose. And so Jesse got out and the, and the Baptist pulled back and I pointed my finger at that wild, demonized, drunken man. And I said, I bind you, wicked spirit in the name of Jesus, and forbid you to move. And he just laid there. About that time, the police broke through the door, grabbed the man, hauled him off to jail. No one has moved. Everyone's still plastered to the wall. I said, well, folks, church dismissed. And Bobby and I walked out of there like the Lone Ranger in Tonto. I mean, Bobby looked at me and said, it worked. I yes, it did. But that was the Lord teaching us, teaching about our authority. Over demon powers. We were, we were learning. We were learning, uh, every day. So, uh, you, you mentioned one in Austin, but we had a coffee house here in San Marcos. Can you guys tell, tell us about the coffee house here in San Marcos and just what took place there? Yeah, uh, let me tell a little bit about it and probably jump in on this. Um, as I said, coffee houses were really prominent in the, in the Jesus movement. And so these kids had, had got, touched at the coffee house in Austin, the well, so they began to tell me, why don't we have one in San Marcos? And so we uh, were able to obtain an old uh, building that had not been opened since World War II up above the J.C. Penney building downtown, and uh, we were able to obtain that, and so we opened the Morning Star Coffee House. From the moment the coffee house opened, it was a place of miracles. Uh, actually, the kids had a day off from school, and we spent all day Friday and all day Saturday cleaning up. It, it had not been open, and the bats had been in there, and the, the guano, the bat stuff, was real deep on the floor. It, it was a stinking mess. 
And we cleaned it up, disinfected it, and the kids then said to me, Brother Jimmy, uh, we got it cleaned up and it still looks creepy. They said, we need to paint this place. And yeah, we do. I said, let's have a paint prayer meeting. We just knelt down there on that wooden floor and prayed for paint. That was on Saturday night. Tuesday night, we're going to have our first meeting in the coffee house. I'm at home studying the Bible to teach that night. Uh, a call comes in to me, and it's a local contract. I understand that there's a bunch of kids starting some youth youth ministry up above the old J.C. Penney building. He said, I know that's a mess up there. He said, I'd like to, I got a lot of odds and ends of paint. I got 60 gallons of, of paint. I wonder if y'all like that. So I went and got that 60 gallons of paint. When those kids saw that paint, they, they actually went, wow, we just, then they said, hey, we need to remodel this place. I said, let's pray for, let's pray for sheetrock and plywood. So we got out and had a sheet Friday. A contractor in town called the youth ministry up above J.C. Penney's. said, I'd like to donate all the plywood and sheetrock. Y'all need to remodel that place. Thank you. And so that's the way the Morning Star Coffee House began. And it became a place of, of miracles. The way it operated was, it's rather, really rather simple. We, we operate on all, on Friday night till midnight and Saturday night till midnight. Uh, the staff would come early, and I would teach them. It's actually, I was, and I would teach them. And then we would open the doors of the coffee house, and kids from the from the Gary Job Corps Center, the local high school, and the college would come in there. And uh, we had a stage that we'd built, and usually we had a musical a music group that would would play. We had our own band called Liberation Suite, which we later sent to Ireland as missionaries. Or we had the guest groups come in. We had some feel the spirit. She sounded like she would sing. We just had lots of famous groups came in there to minister. And then after they would play a set, then there would be a time of where there's stale donuts and Kool-Aid back here for refreshment. And we just roam and work the crowd, witnessing, sharing, praying. And then we'd have another set. And then we would have a break, and we were ministering, leading people to Christ. We used to do three sets a night. Some of us would roam out onto the street and begin to uh, witness on the street. We had so many people saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered from drugs in that coffee house. I could not tell all the stories of lives that were touched in that coffee house. Tom, why don't you... Well, I got there kind of late. You have to understand, these guys started in the early 70s. Well, it wasn't... It was 76. And uh, my first exposure to the coffee house, I had to just give a little bit of, uh, because the coffee house was actually finishing up. But on on my first exposure to what's going on here, the Lord is starting to work in my life, because um, I think the year was 76, and I'm getting ready to walk into a bar. I was at Texas State as SWT students, and I'm getting ready to walk into a bar that's it's uh, Sean Patrick's now, but it used to be called the Two Bitter. T O O Bitter. You remember that? All right. And uh, actually, maybe that's not good. <laughs> so, but anyway, we could also ask the Andersons over there some stories because he was he was part of the. It was stirred up at the academy, and Carl Anderson would have been part of that. But anyway, I'm getting ready to walk into the Two Bitter, and this guy stops me on the sidewalk there. And I'm pretty certain I know who it is. I could tell you. I think it was uh, Trucker John and John Hurst. And anyway, and he just starts sharing Jesus with me there on the coffee house. I'm sorry, on the sidewalk in front of the Two Bitter and telling me about Jesus. And I didn't, and he invited me to the coffee house, but I just declined because I was going to go inside 
and hear my, my favorite band. My favorite band was called Joe Bob's Barn Grill Band. And they were good. They were really good. And so uh, I'm upstairs. The coffee house, I'm, I'm, I keep calling it the coffee house. It was the world's coffee house, okay? All right. But I'm upstairs in that bar. And I'm looking down on Joe Bob's Barn Grill Band. And they had this violin player. And he could play Orange Blossom, Blossom Special. But anyway, they get to the end of their set. And I don't know when closing time was. I'm going to say it was maybe 1 a.m. And they start playing this song called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Does anybody know what that song yeah, is? More. There's a few of you guys that are older like us. But anyway, and so uh, I wish, I think that was a Larry Norman song. And it's talking about the rapture coming. And so I'm sitting up there in that in, in that upstairs looking down on that. And I know what they're playing. And I know what they're singing about. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> I didn't feel real ready right then. All right. So anyway, I, 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 uh, I left the bar that night, but I want to tell you this, that a process of of something happened in me, starting with Trucker John sharing Jesus with me. Now, remember, I was raised in church. I was raised in the Baptist church, but I kind of left it because I did leave it. But the point is, is something is starting inside me. So even though I'm still a student at, at SWT, I'm chasing the world. I'm chasing relationships and partying. Because I didn't know where else to find fulfillment. You just do what you think is fun. And that's what I did. And in the middle of of those few months from the earlier time that I was just telling you about, somewhere in the spring, now I think it's the spring of 76, so maybe that other had been in the fall of 75. But now the Lord's starting to do something in my heart. And one night, I can't. I would go home to San Antonio for for work on the weekends. And one weekend, I drove back to my apartment on on North LBJ, and I walked into my apartment. My roommates were gone. I just walked into my bedroom. I cannot tell you why I did this. I just know that the lights were off, so I just, I don't remember if I prayed something. I don't remember anything like that, but I just know that I heard a voice. Not audibly, but on the inside. I heard that voice, and you guys have heard that voice too, but I heard that voice say, Tom, you tried it. Now I'm, and I just simply said, yes, sir. I quit running with my roommates. I, I, stopped, I stopped hanging out with all my friends. It was the loneliest several months of my life because I knew that it changed. And so it was at that time, and in that period of time, I think is when the coffee house closed. Well, shut its door. But I want to tell you something. Just, I don't know if it was one year ago or two years ago, I was with Dan and Bill Jones and everybody at on the square. And I think one night we had, we were passing out water bottles and talking. And I looked at the group that we had, a dozen people. It was a good group. And I looked at that and I went, you know what? This is like, and I want to tell you, that when revival comes, there's something that gets stirred in each one of us that makes us, because Jesus told his disciples, follow me and I will make you what? Men. Because when the, the Spirit of the Lord stirs, all of a sudden, you love about where they're at and what they're doing. And so, the only part of the coffee house that I got, it actually I did catch a few. And this is the, my only memory of the coffee house before it 
it closed, we would have staff meeting. And staff meeting was just all, it was just everybody. Everybody was on staff at the coffee house. And we would make this big circle in this big room. And I remember we would worship. And we would get to dancing. And I've never been in, I have to say this truthfully, I thought, this floor is going to break and we're going to end up downstairs in J.C. Penney's store. I used to think that because the whole floor of the coffee house would just start shaking and going up and down. I, it was like a trampoline. I'm telling you it was. <laughs> and so, and, and that, and then prophetic words were going forth. I do, I do remember some of those things. And I think I just caught the last few months of, before it closed. But those were kids on fire for Jesus. And we are seeing the, we're seeing it again. We're seeing the start of it again, even next, next door in the school. And I'll tell one of you. I was going through pictures last night when I came to the office here early last night. I was going back through my computer and a lot of the photos. One thing that I did notice is my wife and Jimmy and Beth were really young in those days. In fact, I didn't know who they were. Uh, who's that? And then I figured it out. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of pictures that I saw. I saw Elmer and Doris. In fact, Elmer was holding me. I don't know why I jumped into your arms, brother, but I was, <laughs> I jumped into your arms. Elmer is my old painting buddy and, and, uh, and fighter pilot friend from the Marine Corps, and we were partners in a lot of crime. So anyway, but Messiah Mansion was, I would love to see it happen again. And I just want you to know, there's, there's a book out. There's several books out. I'm not talking about the one about the World War II uh, band of brothers that were, were fighters, I, I want to say, Battle of the Bulge. But I just want to say, there's another little book called Band of Brothers that just talks about the fellowship of the brethren. Now, in those days, we had Messiah Mansion. It's where 18 guys lived. And also, right next door, at least, there was several sisters' house in those days. Um, but the sisters' house was next door, and a bunch of girls lived there. And I'm telling you that there is something valuable that happens when you put brothers and sisters in their respective places, but you, when you put them together, they grow, and they stir each other up to love and good works, and we're missing that today, and it needs to happen again, and it will live again in this town, and so, and in our church, I believe that, and so there's something that you cannot grow as much as when you are, when you are living with and, and passionately pursuing Jesus together, because iron sharpens iron. You can't get away from it. And if you think you're going to grow and you're living in an isolated situation or circumstance, it just is not going to happen. Because iron, there's something that happens when you're with one another. And so I had to, I, when I told you about that loneliest time of my life, well, that was probably about a four or five month period when all I could do is just go home and read the Bible. I had no friends. They were all gone. It's like you losing your Baptist friends. But when I came back to college, and that would have been the fall of, I'm guessing right then, that would have been fall of 76. But anyway, what I'm saying is, yeah. Uh, 
I jumped in. I had Christian roommates. I got involved. I I got into the mansion shortly thereafter. It's necessary. Fellowship and community and koinonia is necessary. And if you're isolated and by yourself, I suggest find a small group, find some kind of group, and get in it. Or find the Messiah Mansion, but just do something to add to your fellowship because it's necessary. And a lot of incredible men of God came out of Messiah Mansion and Hill Country, Hill Country Church and Hill Country Christian School. And I'll share that in a, in a minute also. The Bible College started. So while I was finishing at Texas State, uh, finishing up my lap, I went down to uh, my, my parents in San Antonio and said, Mom and Dad, I want to quit college and I want to go to Bible College. Jimmy and Fount and I don't remember who else were teachers there, had started a Bible college, a, a real-life Bible college. And my dad said, no, I want you to finish school first, and then you can go to Bible college. So I just said, yes, sir, I'll do that. And I, I finished it at SWT, and then I immediately started into the Bible college. And I got two and a half years of incredible training from men, brilliant men. The Bible school, my graduating class, I think, was four. Uh, but I'm telling you, it was good training. It was amazing training. And those guys, these guys raised up a class of leaders that have affected not only Texas, but Eastern, the Eastern United States, missionaries across the world. I'm telling you, some amazing leaders were raised up in those days. You guys are, are kind of already stirring this, but I'd, I'd love to hear just some of the personal testimonies where God encountered you on something, maybe some anointings or some mantles, things that you picked up that you're just still using where, you know, God just put something either on your life or your even just your household and your family, whether it be just a, a stern in the prophetic or um, just to, to, to release certain things. Or I know one of them, for example, Pastor Jimmy, um, there's a story about a car you gave away and just you're still reaping fruit from that, yeah. right? Um, so something like that, kind of personal, that applies to just our households. Not giving away cars. Let me tell you a story about one that I had to learn the hard way about. The start of the church, and, and now, one of the first things that God had begun to reveal to me after I received the baptism, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took my sicknesses, I was healed, and I didn't. So I began to teach that to the new church, and uh, my family, we quit getting sick. Again, he said to the new church, and we had to, our lives radically changed. One lady came to me, and she had her income tax in the previous year and the present year. The first year was uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of doctors of, of dollars spent in doctors, mercy rooms, hospitals, sickness. The other was medical, $20. I said, what's the difference? What happened? She says, we began to believe what you were teaching that Jesus took not only our sins, but he took our sicknesses, that he took them we didn't have. That's our thing. So this is what we're teaching. It's what we're walking in. Uh, our family quit getting sick. We just began to live in health and healing. And, and I really came to a place where I felt like I was invincible. I'd reached a place in faith where I felt like the devil cannot put any illness. You know, that can be a dangerous place. to Well, one, one Saturday night, this pain hit me right up high in my back. Tremendous pain. And as that kidney stone began to move, I thought I was going to die. I wish I would have died almost. It was so painful. Oh, I'm laying on the floor. I'm rolling on the floor. I'm crying out. 
I'm taking hot baths. Everything awful, so terrible. Now remember, I've been teaching this church now that we don't need to get sick, that Jesus is our healer. He took all of our infirmities. That's what I've been teaching. And that's what I've been walking in. The place where I was, it felt like I was invincible because the devil couldn't put any of that stuff on me. And here I am now. Finally, about uh, 11.30, I turned to bed and I said, Honey, i got to have some relief. Take me to the emergency room. You see, you can't call the elders when you're in Vincent. So she took me to the emergency room. They shot me full of morphine. On the influence of the morphine, I passed the stone. Went out for 14 hours. Missed everything that was happening at church. About two weeks later, pain hits me up high in my back. As that kidney stone begins to move, I think I'm going to die. I'm crawling on the floor. I'm crying out. I'm uh, taking hot baths. I'm relieved. Finally, by 11.30, midnight, I turned to bed and said, Debbie, i got to have to take you to the emergency room. They treat me full of morphine. On the influence of morphine, I pass the stone, but I go out for 14 hours. Yes, everything is happening at church. Now, two weeks later, Saturday night, now I'm beginning to get the picture. Even those who are dull can begin to understand, you know. And I'd already told Betty, I said, Debbie, it happens again. Don't take me to the emergency room. At least I can be like one of those in the book of Hebrews who died in faith. But I am not going to the emergency room. And so that stone begins to move, and I'm in such tremendous pain, and I'm crying out. And uh, finally, the invincible said, Honey, call the elders. I've got to have you call two of my friends. And they came over to my house, and they said, Jimmy, stand up, and we're going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. They lay their hands on When they get through praying, I'm still hurting. But all of a sudden, it's like I'm being shot. I said, Bethany, get me to the bed. I'm going out. And I went out for 14 hours under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Mark. Praise God. Passed the stone while I was out. Never have had another one. Never am going to have another one. Praise God. But you see, what I had to learn was the invincible one the mighty preacher needed the body, needed friends, needed people who would stand with him in faith. And so that was one of the lessons. Do you want to share one? Oh, question wise? Um, yeah, we're, we're kind of coming to the end. We, we've got a little bit of time. I thought it might be fun. I'm, I'm going to throw you guys for a loop and maybe ask some, some kind of lightning round questions. Some your quickest yes or no answers, Tom, your face is hilarious. Um, uh, because there's some things I've heard uh, maybe your wife say or maybe Tim say, and so I, I just want to confirm a few, all right? So brief answers. We both good? Tom, we can start with you, all right? So is, is it true that you uh, told Kathy you were going to marry her when she was dating another guy? Is that is that a true story from the That's past? That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but you did inform her you were going to get married when you weren't dating. Is that, is that true? No, I never told her. <laughs> so I never, oh, that's right. That's a right. A friend told her. <laughs> you said yes and no answer. That was, okay, all right. Let's, so it's, so it's the ancient along. equivalent of a text message. All right. <laughs> Send a friend. All right. Uh, there was another one I had. Oh, is it true, though, that Kathy was um, a missionary in Amsterdam? In the red light the district. the red light district of Amsterdam. Yeah. And where did she smuggle Bibles to and from? Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe. Yeah. Behind the Iron Behind Curtain. Behind the Iron Curtain. Eastern Europe. Yeah. 
Yours are mostly about your wife. Um, <laughs> I I just love uh, that some people just they see our our fifth grade teacher who has grandchildren coming out her ears, but um, uh, this lady's a warrior. And ask her the story about the carrots, right? Was it carrots? Yeah. Ask her about the carrots. Um, some other time. Uh, so. Pastor Jimmy, here's one for you. Is it true that you would preach in your house sometimes and people would fill up the house so much there'd be people sitting in your bathtub? <laughs> it might be. The people were all down be teaching there, yeah. living room. They're all down the hall. They're back into the bedroom or yeah. packed. Yeah. Yeah. So Kathy used to sit underneath the kitchen bed. Under the kitchen bed, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you ever have people just show up that just said, I don't know what's going on, I just need to be here? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. did. We used to pray in that same living room, and more than once we had somebody looking for a college party that would walk into the prayer meeting. <laughs> so thank you for that. That was fun. <laughs> that was always a blast. Um, see, that wasn't so hard. I didn't pick on you too much. I should have asked for submissions from, from wives, maybe. So... Um, when you guys now, you know, combine between the two of you, it's a lot of years around this ministry and, and walking with a lot of these people. And and when you look up now and and you see what's going on, what do you see right now that just causes that flashback or that stir? You go, oh man, this reminds me of something that happened at the coffee house, or this reminds me of the Jesus People movement. What what do you see now that just it's like that same flavor, and you just enjoy it. One of the things that's happening in Europe, when I see bold, filled with the Holy Spirit, they can, they can, they can minister to stage and just start calling out words of knowledge to people. Or that can be youth on fire. We, we, were, we were all see that in our, a lot of our hands. They, they're powerful. So that reminds me back in something I say those. She's the stubborn one. Did you just guys just know that? Okay. But, um, when we moved away in 81 to Colorado. But in those days, the church was predominant in the comment. But that is instilled in my brain. Even as I look back at those photographs, the church was just a church full of young people. The older ones were in their early 30s. And so, uh, anyway, that was in my mind, in my brain. That was seared, kind of like on my my memory. And so when when Kathy and I came back in '98, came back to this church, but uh, I just always prayed for a long time. Now I'm getting ready to tell you tell a story here in just a moment. But in my mind's eye, I I remembered those days, and so part of my prayers were, Lord, do it again in terms of campus, do it again. And so I, I prayed that for years, a lot of years. But it just never seemed to really happen again. Yes, there, are, there has been through the years a lot of good fruit on, on campus in our Hill Country's campus ministry, but not like it was back then. And so it was several years ago. Probably now I'm going to say it's been three to four, four years ago. And here's what I wanted to share with you because this applies to But I was, we were in worship. I, I've shared this before, so some of you will remember this, but I was in worship. We were in worship, and I'm just standing there in my normal spot, and people had gathered at the front, kind of like you saw happen today. And we were, I, I just specifically remember this. We were in our second song, and I'm just singing and 
just doing what's normal. I think everybody was doing that. And I, I looked to my right on this side of the stage, and I'm going to tell you who I saw. I saw Jordan Williamson. I saw Noah Beelan. I saw Justin Ego. I saw Ian Anderson up on top here, and I don't know who else I saw, but through all those years, you know, from 98 until just maybe four years ago, I'd been praying, oh Lord, do it again on campus, another move, another uh, raise up Bible college, and may we train leaders. That had been my prayer for a long time, a long time. And so as I glanced and saw that, that row of people right there, I know there were more. Those are just the ones I remember specifically. And I, I just glanced at them. They're just worshiping. It's just normal. And I hear that unmistakable voice said, Tom, there's your new class of unusual leaders. And I went, oh, my goodness. Lord, I've been waiting for them to come from the university campus all this time. And the, the seeds are right across the, the building next door in that school. And I have never seen what's going on in that school like I saw that, that morning in worship. And I went, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. I've been waiting for you to do something there when you really want our vision and our purpose to be in uh, a, a younger set of kids. And I'm telling you, I remember when Sean and Amber took little ones. I'm going to say fifth graders. I don't know how old they were, and I don't know who it was. But I remember when they took young ones out treasure hunting in Walmart, wherever else they went. But those young ones are probably some of those that have been leaders in the youth group right now. And so Sean and Amber plus Chris have done something that the last class that we graduated is some of the most powerful kids that we've seen, and, the, and more classes are coming. But I'm saying the Lord is up to something. Now I want to say one more story. But I want to say to some of those of you, Jordan, just keep your, keep the doors of your heart open. Are you okay with that, Jordan? Are you okay with that? All right. Because, and some of the rest of you, now let me say something to the older ones, of which I am one. All right? Now, this is... This is a story that I heard just recently from Chris Ballatin, and he said he had a dream. And in the dream, he said he saw a father and two daughters. And in the dream, he saw the father go to one daughter and say, I just love you so much. Called that daughter by name. I just want you to know I love you so much. And he just went on to just to say something, you know, just to, to affirm that daughter. And then the dad did not say a word to the second daughter. And then in the dream, it switched to another scene. And the two daughters were present, and the, and the dad went to the same daughter and just affirmed her again, told her how much he loved her, how much, you know, what, what uh, she was going to mean in the world around her, and affirmed her, did not say a thing to the second daughter. This happened, he said in the dream, it happened three times. Then, he said, I don't know if he woke up, but the Lord spoke to him. What about that dream you just saw? And he said, yeah. And he said, what did you see? And he told the Lord back what he had seen about the dad affirming the one daughter. And he said, well, what about that second daughter? And he said, well, in the dream, nothing was ever said to her. And God spoke to him and said, omission is as much of a problem as just saying bad, you know, saying negative words. And then he said, 
Now, every time you say to a young generation, revival only comes from you, you are omitting an, an older generation. And so now I am talking to Jordan Williamson and Ian Andersons and those and uh, Justin Etos, those kinds of things. They will be mighty men of God, you understand? And women too. But I want you to say to, to those of us that are still are, are older, the Lord is not done with us. The Lord is not done with us. And if we are handing the, the, the mantle of revival, of revival only to the younger ones, we're making a huge mistake. So can I just say this? We could use a few even older ones on the square. But do not let another generation bear the baton or carry the mantle because God's not done with you. And so re-stir those fires. Would you do that? So it's young and old, but I see God stirring us up again because revival doesn't come when we're just in our convenient and our comfortable little armchairs. Okay, we've got to burn again. Can we do it? Um, I guess it's about to go out and start encountering these students, and God starts showing us things about them. Amazing if you'd like to do it. It reminds me somewhat of the old days That's right. when we went out and praying over them, prophesying over them. It's not scary, and it's oh, not no. hard, and you can stay as quiet as you want, but I promise you. Awesome. We're, we're almost out of time, but we're on our last question, which is, as you've seen the church pursue God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, where do you see God taking us next? Well, I think we, we shared some of this stuff. The, the burn, the fire, we just keep praying to increase. The fire, you know, it's just, we have to have increase. The whole church. There has to be increase in the whole church. Not just our church, but the whole church. And so, come on, fire, just keep increasing. In fact, there was a, a missionary from Russia, from Georgia. Okay. And she saw a vision. This was several years ago. I have it written down. But she said she saw our church as little burst up, and they would start burning. Then they would die out. She said, and then it would burst up and die out. She saw it. And she said, and the in, in, interval, the burst up and then die out, burning became almost not hold on to otherwise with God. Like we come heaven and God and the second thing, so let's see number one. Second thing some of you have uh, some of you have an, an old of God using you and it's kind of grown to pray for you. That's you. Why don't we do this? Can we get um, some musicians up here? And um, let's do it this way. Um, the altar team, y'all can go ahead and come on up and I know Pastor Jimmy He's going to be up here. Yeah, he's going to be up here with the altar team. And Tom's going to be up here. Um, hmm. I think there's something on this fresh fire falling and wanting it. And we're we're just past time here, so I'm going to do something unusual. If, if you got to go, you got to go. But if there's some hunger stirring in you today, or if you're going, man, I heard some of that stuff and I want some of that, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Because what we're going to do... Awesome. What we're going to do is just ask for fresh fire to fall on us today. And if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just come on, jump right up. I can think of no two better people than these two right here to just pour you in it. Um, awesome. The rest of you, <laughs> learn this one from Todd White, is there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't get baptized again. You can't ask for more fire. You can't just be immersed in the Holy Spirit again. It's available to you right now.
Jesus. Oh. As they just get poured in, poured in on the rest of us, just get in some receive mode right now. And we're just going to begin to call before the music even starts. Let's just call on fresh fire today. Something even stirred in me. The, the places they were talking about today, some of them I've gone and prayed in. And there's a, a hunger in me to just even do more corporate prayer right now. If you had me sharing today, I would talk a lot about just the, the power of corporate prayer together. And there's a releasing of that fire. Jesus. So would you just declare this with me right now? Fresh fire fall down. Yeah, if you pray in tongues, just let it go a little bit. Jesus. Ah. Tom said it so well earlier. God, we just want to pursue you. Let us not be distracted by anything else. But Jesus, we want you. Where's this passion directed? It's towards Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yeah. If you're near somebody, just release it over them right now. Just declare fresh firefall. That old things be shaken off or brought back to life. Ah, no half open wells, no yes and no's. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And today we're just declaring yes, Lord. Yeah. I just, ah, uh, I just feel the Lord stirring this. He might be talking to you about some old dreams right now, things that he's he's asking you to dig up again. He might be talking to you about things you forgot about. Or it might be something that's on the forefront of your mind, and it's just go, 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 yes, yes, yes. Some of you right now are in that place where God's given you something, but it's literally like Pastor Jimmy said, covered in bat guano. <laughs> just clear it out right now. The paint and the supplies are coming, but you have to occupy it first. Clean the mess first. Shoo. Yes, God. Who? We're just going to worship together. This this is how we're going to end today. You know where the foyer is. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people up front for praying. But we're just going to worship for a minute. And as long as you want to stay, we're just going to stay in this atmosphere of worship. Declare from those wells. There's some people in here right now. You heard something that we were talking about. It could have even been when we just made a, a point about Kathy Ray smuggling Bibles. <laughs> if there's something stirring, just begin to ask for it right now.